Hello and welcome to the Commonweal Theatre Podcast. My name is Josiah Lobenstein. Joining me, of course, is Tim Seiler. And today we are interviewing Commonweal's producing artistic director, Hal Kropp. Hal listened to the last podcast and he liked it so much that he said he wanted to come on this one. So we thought, great, we'll do a quick look at the upcoming season. As always, it's very entertaining to talk to Hal. It is a great preview of the season. Hal, Tim, and I try out our Boston accents, and you get to find out what Hal is in this year. It's a really great conversation. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. everyone to the Commonwealth Theatre Podcast. Uh, my name is Josiah Lobenstein. I'm joined by Tim Seiler. And today our guest is the Executive Artistic Director. Producing Executive no. Artistic Director. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my official title oh, oh, is Producing Artistic Director. <laughs> <laughs> when did you lose Executive? Didn't you have an Executive I was title? Executive Director for at least 10 of my 32 years. But it's jumped around. I've well, been the executive director. I've been the managing director. I've been the artistic director. I'm, title, the title has ebbed and flowed like a beach on the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> were, were you an executive recently, though? Uh, executive director recently? Or two years I, ago. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah. So that's what uh, which I, I think when you first yeah. came, I was the executive oh, director. Yeah. But the board recognizing that the lingo in yeah. the theater world is changing... Uh, acceded to change the title to Producing Artistic Director. Oh boy, man, I gotta do better research before these podcasts. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> and has any, have any duties changed with the title change at all? Not really. Okay. okay. You know, if the toilet paper's out, I'm still the guy that race in and change it. It's just kind of the way it is. No. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, we, we uh, wanted to have you in to talk about the upcoming season. There's uh, five great shows to talk about. Yep. So uh, do you have one that's been on your mind a little bit that you kind of want to just dive into? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the show that I'm most intrigued by is uh, David Lindsay Abair's Good People. Um, you know, Lindsay Abair is a playwright who is uh, renowned for a very very offbeat, wry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And he's taken that attribute of his and turned the focus very clearly on the issues that seem to be plaguing our society currently. Issues of class struggle and issues of racism and uh, looking at them in a very interesting and unique lens uh, set uh, in Boston so I'm anxious to see how the cast tackles that very specific dialect. How, how's your how's your Boston dialect? My Boston dialect's not so good. No. Pack the con. Pack the con. Have None right. of us are in it. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. Thank you, Tim. So yeah. there's the selling point. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> no. We just <laughs> slid by that one. Yeah. No, I. You know, I'm going to encourage people to look at a lot of Ben Affleck movies. Yeah. Frankly, that's, ooh, yeah. That's a good um, plan. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, the, the issues that are brought up, I think, are very meaningful. And yet we don't lose that traditional Lindsay Abair humor, mm -hmm. which kind of makes the evening much more enjoyable than otherwise it would be. So I'm very, very interested to see how 
our audiences uh, take to that story. You know, um, the great thing about it is that Megan Pence, uh, our former managing director, is going to come back and direct it, and I'm very excited about that. Megan did an incredibly creative job with Christmas Carol, I think about four or five years back, setting it in Chicago at the, just after the Depression. And it was a really fascinating take. So I'm very interested to see what she'll bring to this, interested to see what she'll bring to this uh, particular story. That was the last thing that, what, did, what was the last thing she directed? Didn't she do... Did she do well, Clean House? She did Clean House. Okay, and clean house. Elephant Man. And she yeah. did Elephant yeah. Man. Elephant Man. Yeah. 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 But what she brought to Christmas Carol was really, really yeah. uh, interesting yeah. and uh, provided a, a new lens to look at that story. Also, her work on The Clean House, which is a script that offers the same kinds of issues, you know, serious mm -hmm. issues, but wrapped in a very kind of a wry humor. So I think this script and Megan are a great match. Mm. Yeah. For... Uh, people who haven't heard of good people, Frances McDormand, if right. people know her, was uh, starred in the in it, uh, yeah. Broadway production. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the the film version, right? I is there a film? I don't think is there a film, film version? version. No, there's oh, not man. a film version. But I've had an argument. People think there's a I don't know a film. <laughs> the 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 cover art on the script looks like a film still, but I don't think there's ever been. A I don't film. believe there's been a film version. Of I think it would be. Fact check. Worth doing. <laughs> oh, look, there they go. <laughs> <laughs> they left the building. Uh, yeah, I don't have anyone. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah, uh, that's exciting. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and then I'm very interested to see what the two of you bring to Leading Ladies, <laughs> which is uh, one of the sillier scripts that Ken yeah. Ludwig has uh, created. Um, he had done our adaptation of Three Musketeers, which may or may not be a recommendation for, uh, for his playwriting, depending upon how you felt about that production. But I know that Leading Ladies, as a script, is laugh-out-loud funny. Yeah. Yeah, I read it just the other day, like, you know, going over lines and doing some things like that. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so absurd. The, just, it's very zany. It is. And stuff you go back and forth and sometimes you're like, oh, it makes me groan, but other times I'm just laughing out loud for a well, while. You know, and if you go back and look at Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot, yeah. um, you get the same kind of feeling. It's like, oh. <laughs> some groaners. <laughs> yeah. There's some, I think the fun uh, thing will be, I'm always interested, this is in, oh, what laugh do we try to bury to earn an even bigger one, you know, yeah. down the, like, because it's, it's a rat-a-tat-tat, like. Yeah, one joke like, after another. And the builds, how that happens, like, what can we, you know, that fun, like, technical thing, which sounds so brainy, is like, and it is, there's a science to it, um, which I'm, it'll be fun to, to play with. Yeah, yeah, we Absolutely. found in, um, in uh, Boing Boing, if you got one laugh, it would take away from the other laugh yeah. that you would get. Or if you didn't get that laugh, then you're more likely to get a big old, bigger laugh somewhere else. Which and is... then there is also, you know, there are certainly some jokes that are structured where you get a laugh and then you get a bigger laugh because of the laugh. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very interesting to find where those lie. And then that juggling, that balancing act of things you can sort of feel or rely on after two weeks of running but you cannot bank on. <laughs> right. You know, you right, right, right. It's not a guarantee you, that you it'll be there. You can never bank on a laugh being there. And that's not indicative of a bad show necessarily. Sure. Like, no. That'll keep it... I mean, we have to do this for a while. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, <laughs> we keep you it know, fun. what comes to mind to me is uh, when we did Picasso with the Le Panagile, 
and yeah. I played Einstein, you know, there's that moment where he, where my character introduces himself and the guy goes, really? And he goes, oh, I forgot. I didn't do my hair. It bounces over, muss up your hair, come back up and you have the wild Einstein hair. That got a laugh every night <laughs> yeah. regardless. <laughs> That was yeah. money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I love those where there's very little that you have to do and you just get it's or it's like a yeah. guaranteed. Absolutely. Um, it strikes me good people uh, to go back to like explaining a little bit of like what these plots are. But sure. good people is tricky to summarize in a compelling way. Although <laughs> I will let you. That's not a knock on the play, but it's no. like it's yeah. the. Uh, well, it's an. It, first of all, it's very complicated. Yes. It's very complicated. And uh, it requires uh, a little bit of faith uh, <laughs> because the humor really is not, it's not jokes. It's not uh, punchline humor. Mm-hmm. It's, it's character humor and mm-hmm. it emerges out of the relationships and uh, a little bit out of what ends up being a pretty outlandish plot device. I also think Margie really uses it as a defense mechanism. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Like, there's this, you can't show, uh, you know, your true feelings, so you, you cover it up with some humor. I think that happens yeah. a good and amount. of course, anybody who's a fan of Bingo will love the show, <laughs> yeah. because Bingo plays a very significant role. It does. There's, yeah. there's the, a couple Bingo parlor scenes. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, to... Is maybe a small encapsulation. Margie, this Frances McDormand character, and mm-hmm. uh, Jacqueline June Johnson is playing Margie, um, a company member. She's facing. Oh, you used all three names. Yeah, <laughs> she does <laughs> in her in the, the professionally. I write her name out for Jacqueline all the official stuff. We we call her Jackie. Yeah, often, and she as her friends wants us to or want to request. <laughs> but um, Margie. Um, First scene of the play loses her dollar store job, yeah, and is facing eviction, um, and she needs some as, help as a daughter who has an adult daughter who has extreme special needs. Yes, yeah. um, and her her high school friend, very good friend, um, is is a doctor now, and she's not asking for a handout, but she, I don't know, she's. Sort of poking the bear a little bit. You I don't know. Really selling it big time, Timmy. <laughs> oh but, my God. But people are going to leave this podcast and buy tickets right now. I know, but it's this battle of like, you know, well, there's other things that I just like, there's, it gets into spoiler territory. Yeah, you too. don't. It's, yeah. it's so good. It is. Yeah. It's a really compelling story, and it will be an incredibly entertaining ride. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's good people. We've yeah. like, We've got it. Yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> it is sold. I think it's if you don't want to watch it now, well. so you're gonna want to watch it because everybody around you is gonna be talking about it. That's right. That is very B- true. Thirteen. Um, so then there's Leading Ladies by Ken Ludwig. That is uh, the second show we're doing right. this season. So that's four and two. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the even numbered shows out of the way. Yeah. That's right. Always good. Yeah. Uh, so Josiah and I play um, two British actors who are basically penniless yeah, at this point <laughs> they have yeah. no money and they need a they need to make some money to realize their dreams of being in this new julius caesar movie with um is it james mason am i making that up i think you're it's whatever that epic yeah, I think you're making it up. 1950s yeah yeah th- this is like in the 1950s uh early 60s um so 
A solution to their money problems is to disguise themselves as long-lost relatives of a dying millionaires who wants to give her money away but cannot find Max and Steve, yeah. um, who they believe are in England, uh, have lived now live there. Possibly working in the theater. Possibly. So, so they can't be found. Enter... Uh, what are Jack and Leo? Yeah. Jack and Leo. Leo and Jack, yeah. We're gonna play Max and Steve, and then we realize that Max and Steve are not who they think they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the "Some Like It Hot" reference might just <laughs> yes. give you a little hint. If you like "Some Like It Hot," you'll understand that. Yeah. Um, and so it becomes. Mistaken identities, everyone's in love with the wrong person or engaged to the wrong person. Um, lots of sort of stock characters. Yeah. Zany, um, comedic, over the top, big, bold, you know. One of those that you're probably not going to think too hard about, but you're going to enjoy <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah this is kind of. And there is a small send up of a fraternal organization. Yeah. No, normally found <laughs> in small towns throughout America. So that's, you got that going for you too. Well, and it starts in Amish country, but in Pennsylvania. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so close. Yeah. 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 So that's leading ladies. Um, you know, we're starting the season with my favorite Neil Simon play. Um, I ought to be in pictures. It's a play that I've done at least twice, once here, and I think only once in California. Um, but I find that uh, I ought to be in pictures is probably... Simon's most successful blending of the comedy that you come to know him for and a really heartfelt examination of a father-daughter relationship. Uh, it's set in Southern California in the early 70s. I think it's the early 70s, might be the mid-70s, but it's that, you know, that avocado burnt orange uh, yeah. uh, realm <laughs> of life. Sort of with the shag carpets and yeah. Just go, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, Herb Tucker is a very traditional Neil Simon character, uh, a man who uh, left his family uh, in Brooklyn uh, at least 16 years ago, um, whose daughter comes to California to find him so that she can use his perceived role in the uh, entertainment industry to secure herself a career uh, in the movies uh, and or television. And uh, the play examines what happens when the two of them uh, get together. Um, it's very funny. It's also incredibly heartfelt. And Adrian Sweeney, who is our Associate Artistic Director, Director of External Communications, uh, is directing the play. Um, and I know it means a great deal to her based on her own personal experiences. Um, not that she ever went to L.A. to find her father, but, um, you know, the whole, that relationship. Uh, and it will feature uh, Jeremy Van Meter as Herb and uh, our first apprentice of the 2022 Apprentice class, uh, Grace Cummings. Yes. And uh, favorite of the company, Betty Batacletti, whom you probably right. remember as Christmas present from last year's <laughs> Christmas yeah, Carol. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to, it's a great way to kick off the season. You know, it's, again, it's a three-hander. Um, so we'll start with a smaller cast and then immediately go much larger, yeah. uh, which will be fun. 
So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I love the play. When you did it, did you were you hurt? Did I you was hurt. Herb. Yeah, twice. I, I was hurt twice. Yeah, I wouldn't have been a good Steffi. <laughs> wow. And I, I certainly couldn't be Libby. Yeah. No, I was Herb. That's cool. Yeah. So this this was going to be part of the 2020. That season, is correct. correct. This was on the 2020 yeah, season. Yeah. Um, and uh, COVID happened. We had to do a bunch of right. shuffling. We did so a bunch of different why things. why did this get come back and not others? I mean. You know, like, why yeah. this play? Um, well, first of all, this was the play that got closest to production so that all of the designers who were involved had already gotten to the point of initial concept meetings and starting to sketch out the plans. We invested some money in some of the props. I think there's a mushroom canister somewhere that's going to make its appearance. Um, and so it was, I, oh, shoot, I kicked the audience. I'm so sorry. Um, but I think... Uh, I think, you know, knowing that the design team actually had a leg up on it uh, was <laughs> certainly one of the factors. And, you know, another factor is it is a great way to kick off any season. You know, it's sure. got that common wheel, heartfelt uh, intimacy um, and, and balanced with humor. So for me, it's always been a, a good first slot choice, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you played Herb, yeah. did you do... A New York, of course, and sure, of course. no problem. Of course. But it's been, you know, modulated just a bit. Uh, well, you, you know, know, he hasn't lived there because you know, 16. yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> could I get a cup of coffee? Coffee, yeah. Could I, coffee. Could I get a you, just a little more coffee, please. Okay, yeah. All right, so we've so got, we've got one, two, and four down. Yeah, plays one, two, and four, and four. We've so we've got now. which one do we talk about next. Oh boy, I think we probably should talk about Drood. Drood, that's number three. It is number in our three. Play. The mystery it's of Edwin Drood. Yeah. It's yeah. a musical, too. I it is a say. musical. <laughs> it's a musical based on a Charles Dickens unfinished novel. He was actually writing The Mystery of Edwin Drood when he died, and he didn't finish it. Yeah. And so the concept is this music hall troupe in England in the mid-19th century is, I guess it's probably a little bit later than, than mid, 1897, but yeah, actually. Yeah, end of the 19th century, but still very, very immersed in 19th century life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those of you who went to the music halls in Great Britain in the 1890s <laughs> would recognize the kinds of behaviors that go on. But the music hall has decided that what they're going to do is they're going to finish the story. But the way they're going to finish the story is they're going to invite the audience to solve the mystery. So audience members are going to sit through about um, uh, 90 minutes of plot and character development leading up to the point where I, I think this is not really a spoiler. Edwin Drew disappears. Mm -hmm. And we're not actually sure why he disappears or how he disappears, but he disappears. And the questions become, there is a character who is not fully articulated and the audience gets to vote on who that character is. Yeah. And then the audience gets to vote on who the, the villain of the piece is. <laughs> so there's, a, I think, at least two votes and there may be three I think votes, there's three. Three votes in the course of the end. If I am not mistaken, that first thing that you alluded to is a, a detective comes in. Ah, yeah. And yes, yes. so we, and we think that this 
detective is a character that you've met before. Exactly. Which I think is true in the Dickens story. Yes. And so there's a voting process on who we think the detective is, yes. which then rules that person out from being the, the murderer. murderer. So who's left is you, the audience votes on right. the murderer. And then depending on how that happens, you also get to vote on who has the happily ever after uh, right, right, right. love send-off. And of course, <laughs> all of these different combinations have different songs attached to them <laughs> because it is a musical. So we as a company, and I say we because I'm actually going to be in The Mystery of Edwin Drood, as is Tim, mm -hmm. we get to learn, I believe it's somewhere near 800 different possible endings. No, I think it's 400. All right. Uh, uh, like, woo, only 400. Yeah, yeah, the geometry is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> But, you know, it's, think, it's, yeah. you have to do the factorial thing. Yes. You know, because there are like eight different options, and then from there there are eight different options, and then from there there are eight different So it's really interesting. Uh, I'm anxious to see how we do this. Um, but I'm very excited. Uh, I The show was a Tony Award-winning musical. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a couple of the original Broadway performers also won Tonys for it, which will be fun. Um, yeah, and I mean, Timmy and I get to sing a duet. A Patterson. A Patterson duet. Yes. And dance, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure there will sure be footwork be of some kind. Absolutely. There, there are a whole 16 bars in the middle <laughs> of the song. Break. So, yeah. so you got to see that. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, I can hardly wait. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm gearing up for it by watching Succession. Oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We'll get to that. My um, character is a lot like uh, Brian Cox. Okay. Oh. Uh, without, without possibly the extended use of profanity. I don't think there's any okay. profanity in the show whatsoever. <laughs> oh, well. But this sort of aging patriarch kind of holding on to power kind of thing. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. The chairman is definitely aging. And he's, uh, you know, he's the chairman. Yeah. And he's the MC of the music hall. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Like it's it. got... It's got a lot of a lot of things to recommend it. Yeah, you and it's it's a pretty. I mean, it's a, it is a big show. It's a very You'll big see show. A lot of other familiar faces. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Betty, Jackie. Betty's in it. Jackie's in it. Tim's in it. I'm in it. Lizzie. Almost the entire Lizzie, and then almost the entire Apprentice class. Yeah. And then some brand new folks who. Well, you've and. Uh, right? Actually, Brendan Cayetano, who was in 25th Annual Spelling Bee, he was an apprentice right. five years ago. <laughs> One of those. Um, so Brandon's coming back, which is great. It really is I, a fun evening in the theater. I mean, I keep saying it's like a Victorian Muppet show. Yeah. Which I think, I think is yeah, not I think inaccurate. It's a, absolutely. I think it's very accurate. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's also worth mentioning Craig Johnson is coming back to direct mm -hmm. the the madness, and he most recently did um, Christmas Carol last year. Yeah. And so the the songs that you saw in that show, like a uh, little bit of Turkey at Christmas time, <laughs> or the Fogarty's Fruitcake song, yeah. like yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff is is a good teaser, I think, to what you can expect I think so too, yeah. for The Mystery and, of Edwin Drew. And we know the music's going to be well done because Stephen Houts, uh, who uh, music directed our second production of Man of La Mancha, is doing the music production. And you may remember Stephen from his onstage performances in either Uncle Vanya or Souvenir. Mm -hmm. um, not unknown to the company. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that 
brings us, I guess, to show number five. That's it. <laughs> One more. This is a good segue, huh? Good. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah. what, are we, what are we doing? I'm an MC at na- yeah. by nature. <laughs> so for Christmas, we're doing a brand new script. It's called Alice in Winter Wonderland. And it's written by friends of the company, uh, Michael Bigelow Dixon and Janet Allard. Uh, and Michael and Janet actually had bring this, had brought the script to us, I think, in 2018, just to do a reading, just so that they could hear it out loud. Uh, and then I think they brought it back to us again, and we did a reading again uh, subsequent to that. So I know we've done two readings of the script prior to actually putting it in the season, but it is a marvelous meditation on how to keep the Christmas spirit alive using the Alice in Wonderland journey so that uh, eight actors are going to portray all of the various characters that Lewis Carroll developed and that Michael and Janet have appropriated uh, into a Christmas-themed fantasia, I think is the best way to describe it of um, this young woman whose family seems to have abandoned the Christmas spirit Mm -hmm. and has been assigned Alice in Wonderland as a homework piece (laughs) and finds herself moving through the world of Alice uh, in order to solve the issue of how to bring Christmas back to her family. Um, We're going to see Tweedledum and Tweedledee. One of them may be live, one of them may not be. Um, They're ice skating, aren't they? Or, or well, yes, but you know, you you can make a puppet ice skate. It happens. A puppet, yes. Yeah, there will be so. puppets. There will be puppets in Alice in, Wonder, in Winter Wonderland. Uh, the White Rabbit will be there. The March Hare. Uh, the, I think the Dormouse is there. Um, certainly, the Caterpillar is there. A, uh, yes, the Red Queen will be there. Uh, is the a cook. mention of a a red nosed reindeer. Yes. Unnamed. Unnamed. So there's other like little Yeah, yeah. It's it's got some lovely things. stuff going on. It's lovely stuff. My favorite thing about scripts like this and the script is that you you have magic, right? It, it's a very magical script. There's a lot going on, you know, and and the challenge is always how do you make this magical on stage? And I love watching uh, and participating and coming up with solutions to those sorts of things. And I love that you're talking about puppets. Mm-hmm. I think that is always exciting to sort of see how oh, yeah. magical that can be and then ice skating like how does one ice skate on stage i love oh we've done that before oh that's no little women <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i just love watching people come together and create the solution to that i and, think that's so magical and the fabulous thing about it is that michael dixon's going to come back and direct it for us right and uh, you may remember Michael's production of On the Verge, which was magical in and of itself. Mm. Uh, so I have no doubt that he will bring some great creativity to the process. Yeah, yeah so, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. It's going to be a nice, so I think nice it's a good season. season. Yeah, I think oh, it's a great season. Totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to knock it out of the park. <laughs> and, you know, things actually seem to be quieting down on the pandemic to endemic trail cross fingers yeah awesome well how the one final thing that we do like to do thank you for joining us for the oh listen this has been my pleasure (laughs) but we do like to just we've been adding in at the end Mm -hmm. a little bit of like what have you been uh consuming art wise (laughs) a little bit have you have you been listening to anything good have you been reading anything good what's been on your mind or watching any, any good tv you mentioned succession i know so well josiah you know as well as i do 
that we are now in the process of beginning to scan for scripts for 2023. Ah, yes. yes. So I've been reading a lot of plays, <laughs> a lot of plays. Yeah. Um, some that I've really loved that haven't made it past anybody else's attention. <laughs> and uh, some that uh, I'm lukewarm on. Uh, but I did really enjoy Sarah Rules to Peter Pan on her 70th birthday. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed reacquainting myself with Six Degrees of Separation. Uh, I'm ashamed to say that it, it is now the end of my seventh decade on Earth that I finally read Come Back Little Sheba. Um, <laughs> and uh, was struck by actually how dark yeah. Back Little Sheba is. Mm. Sometimes. Um, the bus stop is also kind of dark. There's some yeah. dark elements to Inge. Yeah, bus stop's nowhere near as dark as Come Back oh. Little Sheba, though. Mm -hmm. it, Come Back Little Sheba borders on who's afraid of Virginia Woolf yeah. in terms Ooh. of marital relationships. Um, <laughs> I just uh, read Mauritania. Mm -hmm. No, Mauritius. 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 Mauritania is the movie Mauritius by Teresa Rebeck, which I enjoy very much. I love con men plays. Uh, I love watching people try to outsmart each other, yeah. especially when you put smart people in a room yeah. and watch them try to outsmart each other. So that was, that was fun. Um, yeah. Laughed a lot at uh, Wendy McLeod's Women in Jeopardy. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. I yeah. want to read that one. Yeah, it's it, in my bag right now. Okay. Well, that's well, not going to be easy for me. I'm going to read, read it. it. I want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be it's not my it. bag. It's, you read it first. <laughs> so, yeah, it. so that's, I've been doing a lot of reading. I have been watching Succession pretty religiously. I'm halfway through season two. Okay. Um, oh, so you're, you started at the beginning. You hadn't watched before. Mm -hmm. oh, He's on, oh, man. He's on the ride. So much good stuff coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holly Hunter certainly was fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, what else? We're uh, we're kind of sequentially following along with the the I think they're Apple TV shows, uh, Suspicion and Severance. Mm -hmm. Su Suspicion, mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying. Severance makes me just kind of shake my head and go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Severance feels like it's an updated version of Brazil. Terry okay. Gilliam's movie. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, it, huh. It's bizarre. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's not football season anymore, so I... You got time? I, I got time, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, and I'm not watching the Combine this weekend, in case uh, anybody's interested. Uh, you know, I'll see the results, but I don't I watch people jump 37 inches into the, high, into the air to slam a piece of plastic. Yeah. Um, that's off my watch list. Okay. That's um, probably for the best. I think so. I think so. <laughs> How about you, Tim? Anything you've been uh, getting into? I, well, I just finished Top Chef Portland, Ooh. which I loved. It was so good. Did they do truffles? Um, they did, there was a lot, there was a mushroom challenge, but it was like, I don't think it was truffles specific. You know, I'm referencing pig, right? Oh, I didn't see that. <gasps> you haven't seen pig? I haven't seen pig yet. Oh my gosh. First of all... <laughs> Back up, because this is a Nick Cage. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we should have a podcast Cage corner. Podcast listeners may be aware that uh, that Nicholas Cage and I uh, are not friends. Uh, in fact, oh I've said some pretty nasty things about Nicholas Cage in my lifetime, mm. including having written a ten-minute play, the title of which is "Nicholas Cage is not his real name." Oh my um, gosh. gosh! And that's been published. Which oh, wow. is <laughs> 
But uh, <laughs> but I will say that his work in Pig is actually quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. He's restrained. Yeah. He's real. And uh, it's a brief movie. Um, but it also features prominently the Portland culinary scene. Yeah. Mm. Which is why I bring it up. Which is, makes sense. Of course. It looks really, The trailer looks really good. It's on my list. It's on my list. So I'm glad you brought it up. All right. I'll have to I'll put that in my... Yeah. Never-ending queue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Top Chef Portland. So good. Um, I could elaborate, but I won't. Let sure. me think here. Um... <laughs> Thinking on a podcast. I'm reading lots of plays too. I've started reading. Um, uh, this is a challenge I have for the month of March: is to read a 700-page book uh, by Charlie Kaufman, the mm-hmm. film director, mm-hmm. called Ant Kind, and it's a book about a kind of neurotic film critic who sees a movie that is, it's like by another cult film director or something, and the movie, uh, the the only copy of it burns. So he is the only person who has seen the film and is trying to convey what it is to the rest of the world. Charlie Kaufman is the genius behind being John Malkovich, right? Yes. Yeah. And like, A what is it? Um, petty and interesting and... Uh, Schenectady? Schenectady. Schenectady. New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm like I started reading it today. I think I could, I only need to do about twenty three pages a day, which is totally right. doable. It's it's off to a great start. We'll see if I continue. Okay. Um, it's kind of like a buddy read with some other people online. So okay. you know that that brings up the fact that I've just started the death and life of the Great Lakes. Oh. What's the nonfiction book about the Great Lakes? Oh, interesting. Um, oh. And uh, it's kind of like a, an ecological history of the Great Lakes. It was given to me by my son for Hanukkah. I'm, I'm finally getting around to reading it. Oh. Yeah. Do you know, do you remember who wrote it? Offhand? Dan somebody. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. I will email you. The we'll put it in the show notes that yeah. we don't have exactly. for this podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Dan Lewis made it. <laughs> uh, let's go back and check. Uh, yeah. I'll leave so it there. So what about you, Josiah? Uh, that's a great question, Hal. Uh, I binged the podcast The Trojan Horse Affair have you guys heard about this apparently no. it's like everybody's listening to it which is it was on uh, This American Life it was an episode of This American Life and it's an eight part podcast series about this letter in Britain that they don't know who wrote it and it comes out and it's it outlines a plot to take over for these radical Muslims to take over schools and this uh doctor turned journalist uh, wants to figure out who wrote the letter to let him know because he thinks he thinks it's kind of a fake he thinks it's a fake mm-hmm. and he's like if we can figure out who wrote the letter it'll it's gonna change some minds and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more fascinating I I don't normally binge podcasts but I like I listen to this in like four days and it, oh, wow. it's like you know an hour-long episode I thought it was fascinating and I would highly recommend it. To oh, it was really good. Is but you it, completed it. I finished. It's only eight. It's only eight episodes. It's okay. really good. And then I think, oh shoot, I'm gonna. Anyway, the <laughs> doctor turned journalist partners with an American journalist, so it's it's kind of fascinating because he is um, a Brit. He's British and I think Pakistani, and 
then there's an American journalist. So it's two very unique perspectives as journalists working on this. Mm. Uh, and it kind of gets into both the facts of the whole thing, but also uh, like what does it mean to be an unbiased journalist? Journalist, and is it is it even worth it to do that? Because we all have sort of intrinsic biases mm. that we bring to it. Oh, it, it, I, I thought it was really good. Is it kind cool. of so this isn't like true crime necessarily, or is it sort of adjacent? Adjacent, because they are like going around and interviewing people and uncovering things. It's it's adjacent, but not. There's no I mean, like there bodies. was a mystery, but there are no bodies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't. Dead I'm bodies. Not, not usually into the the dead body scene, but there it's it still is a fascinating kind of like. Oh. Thing. Wow. Yeah. So you guys still listening? Cool. All right. Anyway. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. I hope people enjoy this podcast. Oh, I'm sure they will. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. How could you not? How could you not? It's like, there's nothing else to do. Thanks again for listening. You can find up-to-date information about all of our shows and buy tickets on commonwealttheater.org. Once again, that's commonwealttheater.org. Our season is starting up. In fact, rehearsals for our first show start on Friday. Season passes are still on sale, so just go online or give us a call at our box office, 800-657-7025. Once again, I'm Josiah Laubenstein. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon at the Commonweal.